Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see change lives, and we hope that this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy this message. Well, good morning. I'm Andy, one of the pastors here at the Valley. It's good to be with you, and it's good to be in this series. Because don't we like people to be for us? And that's what we're talking about, being for people here at the Valley Church, but not just at the Valley Church, but in the kingdom of God. Before we launch into that, though, I'm going to, sh- you know, some, something really struck me this morning as I was just watching people greet and, and, and set up for the Sunday service, and I thought about people cleaning yesterday and, and all through the week, cutting grass and, and leading life groups, and I thought, you know, when we come here on Sunday morning, we're praising God, and what, what a praise party we had this morning, how awesome it is. But you know, the real sacrifice of praise is all the work that's done ahead. People praying for the service, uh, people serving and preparing, and uh, I like to think every time I do a sermon, I, it, that's my sacrifice of praise. Here it is, God, and uh, use it as, as, as best you can. <laughs> if I haven't messed it up too bad, can you use it? And, uh, you know, I just want to thank you for being a church that offers the sacrifice of praise. That all through the week, you, you're, you're giving your best to whatever God has called you to do. And uh, it's just great to be a part of a church like that, to see the body come together and uh, and just to see it in motion. That really is praising God. And then Sunday morning we come and we praise Him, we just lift Him up, we we, we animate it. But it's, it's awesome. Thank you for being that kind of a church. Well, you know, we are in this series called Four, and that uh, reminds me sort of, you know, have, has anybody watched the progressive commercials? Has anybody, do, do you wait like I do for the next one to come out? Like, they, this is the one where the counselor's trying to help people not become their parents, right? And <laughs> I fear that I'm, we all have a favorite, come on. We all have a favorite. If we had time, we'd go around. We all got a favorite of one of those commercials. But I fear in a sense that I'm becoming like my parents. Anybody else? fear that, that you're becoming more and more like your parents. I've kind of lost my excitement for board games a bit. Anybody else here? I really like laying on the couch. I tell my kids life isn't fair, and I probably enjoy that a little too much. I mean, I'm becoming a little bit like my parents. I remember when uh, I I was dating Paula, I'd I'd hop in the car. It didn't matter what the weather was. It didn't matter how much snow or ice. I just went, and I didn't worry about the consequences. Now when my kids go, I'm like, you know, you could get in an accident, and it won't be worth it. And, and I have all those kind of things that I share with my kids, the same things that, uh, that I didn't pay attention to when I was that age. But I've begun to wonder if, if I've become more like one parent than the other. And I've begun to wonder if you and I become spiritually more like one of our parents than the other. Have you ever noticed that one parent was maybe good cop, bad cop, like the good cop, and the other one was the bad cop? One was the one you went to when you need nurtured, when you needed somebody to show empathy, just to hold you. Then there was the parent you went to when you needed the unvarnished reality. You needed to know the real scoop without all the emotion. One parent was usually more one than the other. Have you noticed that? Maybe you look back on your own parent, and you try and decide, now, which one is me? 
And the question for us this morning is which one is right? Which parent is right? Which, which flavor is right? What we're going to discover in this series of being for people, it's not either or. It's both and. Jesus says this. He said, I, I, if you hold to my teaching... You really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's why he came. That's what we're all about. And if we are for people, we're going to be people who do the work of Jesus and help people get set free. I, was, uh, I got a chance to fly yesterday. Um, I, I, when I was 17, 16, 17, I got my license and I've only flown, a, you know, I flew for four or five years, and it gets pretty pricey. And so I, I really, you know, you got kids, all of a sudden that goes to the wayside. It's just what happens. But yesterday I had an opportunity, Lowell Davis invited me, and we got to go uh, on a, a trip. And so um, I, I got a chance to take the wheel, uh, take the stick, the yoke. It's not really a wheel, but it, you, you get the idea. Boy, it was fun. It brought me back to flying. The thing I love about flying in a small plane is when you want to go see something, you just roll it over and you head right there. And you take a look and you see it and then you head the other way. And there's such a freedom. There's no lines in the air that you have to follow if you don't want. There's a few rules, yes. But within the big boundary, you can just go wherever you want. You can see whatever you want to see. There's just such a, a freedom when you do that. That's what Jesus came to give you and me. He came to give us freedom from our sin, from our guilt, from our shame, from the things that hold us down, from the walls that hold us back, and, and he's for us. And as a church, as a people of God, we want to be for people. We want them to sense the kind of freedom I, I felt in the air when, uh, when there were really no, it, it felt no boundaries holding me back. But, but how do we lead people to that kind of freedom? What is our responsibility to do that? Like, like, what can we do? Well, I'm glad you asked. Turn with me to John chapter 4. Will you do that? John chapter 4 when you get a chance. But before that, the gospel writer John is talking about what Jesus came to the, to the earth to do. And in John chapter 1, verse 14, he said, The Word became flesh, that's Jesus, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. I don't want you to miss this. This is the thing I want you to see. This is the thing I want you to focus in on today and let it be the filter and the lens through which you view the rest of the message. He came full of grace and truth. What I really want us to understand here is that it's both. It's a both and. You see, for means coming, means coming to people with both grace and truth. N not grace and, and, and not just truth, but grace and truth. This really brings me back to my Boolean algebra days. Anybody else? Like, I remember the and gate. And the and gate was you put two inputs and it would and them and that was a, the Boolean algebra deal, and you would end up with an output. And if you put a false input, a zero and a zero, you got a zero out. If you put a one and a zero, one of the inputs was true, but the other was false, a one and a zero, you got a, still got a zero. But if you put 
a one and a one. Both were true. You ended up with an output, a one. That's what Jesus is telling us in his very person that the gospel is both grace and truth. And that, that if we want to share the power of the gospel with people, we want to share the good news of who Jesus is and what he came to do, we will share both grace and truth. Because Jesus wasn't just grace, and yet he did die on the cross for you and for me. That's a whole lot of grace. But he's also truth. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. He says, I'm reality. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the standard. I'm, I'm who you follow. I'm who you see for how to live life, how the world was created to work. And grace is really truth. And truth is really grace. Have you ever thought about that for a minute? Grace is really truth. And truth is really grace. I'm going to help you with that as we go through this message. And I want you to see that as a filter. And maybe you say, well, I'm more grace and not so much truth. And I'm more truth and not so much grace. I want you to see how without each other, they actually can become destructive in a sense. Grace is unmerited favor. It's what we don't deserve. It's what Jesus did on the cross for us. He died for us while we were still sinners. That means we didn't deserve an iota of it. We didn't merit him dying on the cross and forgiving us and and making us new people. And yet he chose to do that. That's called grace. He gave us a gift we didn't deserve. And he asked us to share what we ourselves have received with others. Like He's not asking us to share something he didn't first give us. He's asking us to share what he's already given us. Truth, by definition, is Jesus, because he says, I am the truth. But we look at Jesus' life, and we can discern reality from who he is. And so the more you know Jesus, the more you know truth. The more you know truth, guess what? The more you know Jesus. It's not some abstract list of realities or standards or... No, they come from the person of Jesus. And John makes it clear that we, we don't try to balance grace and truth. A little of this and a little of that, we try to get the balance just right. It's like being on a teeter-totter. You know, I just did that with my granddaughter, and it just doesn't work until you put equal weight on both sides. That's not what grace... You see, it's all grace and all truth all the time. All grace and all truth all the time. And Jesus perfectly showed us what that looks like. You know, the error we make is sometimes we, we want to love people and we just want to bless them. And so we do that. And then God opens a door into their life and, and we don't go through. We don't share the reality of what's breaking their life apart. The other error is that we aren't as interested in showing grace. We just want them to see reality, and we, we, we want to share that. And so we share that without the grace. And I'll just tell you, in both cases, it doesn't transform people. You see, if we're really for people, we're going to have to get over our own hang-ups. 
and we're going to have to be people of both grace and truth fully all the time. Jesus has a, has a very public ministry, and, and he illustrates this. We're going to get it. He's, he's going back to, to Galilee. He's on his way back, John chapter 4. What's fascinating, it says he had to go through Samaria. Now, there were about three different ways to get to Galilee. He could have went uh, by the Jordan. He could have went across the Jordan. He could have went through Perea, which was a whole other area. But it says he had to go through Samaria. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit was moving him. There was an encounter that the Father wanted Jesus to have. And so he goes he goes the way uh, that, that the Spirit moves him through Samaria. Expressing grace, I want you to know that this morning, expressing grace is a willingness to go where the Holy Spirit leads you. It wasn't a couple years ago, I was driving down Looney, and I saw a car in front of the career center, and it was stranded, hood up. There was a young man out there, and I thought, eh, somebody's got him. There's, there's a lot of people here. So I, I drive on to the church because I'm like busy. I got, a, I got a day and a half going on. And I get here and that conviction the whole way. You know, I knew I was, I, I sensed I was supposed to stop. And so, but I, I, I managed to push it aside and get all the way to the church. And it just like, it got stronger as I, as I got to the church. Eventually, I didn't get out of the car. I just turned around and drove back. I knew I, I can't. And I get back and, and there's this young man. I'm, I'm starting to talk to him, help him. Come to find out, he was, a, he, was a, he was a young guy who had come to the valley for some period of time, and he'd, he'd gotten away, and, and there were some things going on in his life. And that act of grace reestablished a connection that then I could share some things with him. The Holy Spirit will move you. And if you will hear those promptings, if you will respond to those promptings, I'll guarantee you God is going to use that as an act of grace in their life. Just being obedient to that prompting is expressing grace. And so Jesus does that. And because he listens to the Holy Spirit, because that's still small voice, he, he went. You know that one that sometimes you think, God, I'm going to look stupid if I do that. Like they don't want me to really stop. They're, they're going to be scared if I do. And we rationalize 50 reasons why not. no. When we obey the Holy Spirit, He will give us encounters that will be life-changing for people. And so I hope you'll take those. That's expressing grace. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon, which means it was warm. They'd been on the road, dusty, dirty, and they sit down next to the well. It's about noon, thirsty. You know how it is. You need that quencher. It said, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Samaritans were a mixed race. Half-breeds in those days was the label they would be given. Samaritans couldn't trace their lineage back to Abraham, and if you were a true Jew, you could, so you weren't considered in, not really Jewish, and so you were separate. In fact, Samaritans were so much on the outside, they, they, they created their own temple, and their own religion, their own worship, 
because they weren't allowed to mix with the Jews. And, and, and there's such a distance between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. There's such an animosity and angst that when this, when this guy wants to call Jesus a name, he looks for the worst name he can think of. He calls him a Samaritan. So, so that's, that's what we got going here. And so this woman just can't imagine what Jesus is doing. But the Holy Spirit has prompted, God has prompted Jesus to go another route, and he comes and he has this encounter with the Samaritan woman, and he's there. And, and Jesus begins to build a bridge. Jesus begins to build a bridge because that's what grace does. Grace listens to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, and grace begins to engage people that we're not comfortable with that don't look like us, that can't give us anything in return, that are scary. Do you have somebody like that in your life? Would you walk on the same side of the street with them or would you go to the other side? That, that's really the question here. Because grace says, if I don't like you, if you're of a different political party, you, you have a different bent, a different lifestyle, different... Like, I'm going to engage with you anyway. And sometimes the greatest way to build a bridge relationally is to serve somebody, right? Isn't that true? If, if you want to build a bridge with somebody, if I can get it here, sometimes the best way is to, is, to build, is to serve them, like to do something for them. And you'll see Jesus doing that. There are times to do that. But what's really instructive here is what Jesus does. Sometimes the greatest way to build a bridge is to ask somebody to serve you. Because when we, we serve somebody else, sometimes that puts us in the position of benefactor, puts us in the, in the position maybe a little bit superior. We're the ones that have something to offer. And sometimes we do, and I, I don't want to denigrate that. We ought to serve other people. We ought to give of our resources and our time and our energy. We ought to bless people. But how many times do we ask or allow people to serve us? And Jesus, by this act of grace, says, I can call on any legion of angels, all the gold and silver are mine. I can do whatever I need to do. I can just call on the Father and I can give you. But he says, I'm going to have you serve me. And with that, he gives value to that woman. Who, who has almost no value in that culture and wouldn't have, wouldn't have had much value to start with and then because of her lifestyle has even less, the lowest of the low. And he puts himself in a position of humility, a position of vulnerability. And sometimes we want to be the one that has it all together. But I want you to know Jesus teaches us here. Sometimes we serve others. And sometimes we ask him to serve us. And that alone, that is the real act of grace, that we would humble ourselves and let somebody serve us. So Jesus, he's building a bridge. He's building a bridge. He's expressing grace. You know, that's what it really is. Expressing grace is a willingness to engage people in a way that lets them know they matter to you and they matter to God. That, that's what grace is. And it's forgiving them. It's bearing with them. And you know what happens when we do that kind of work, when, we, when we're given that sacrifice of praise? It breaks down walls. It just does. 
It breaks down walls, and people begin to open the door. I always tell people, you don't have to like, if you push the door down to share truth, guess what? People are going to slam it back in your face. You ever had that? Yeah, sometimes we get a little bit aggressive in sharing truth or reality. We want people to hear it, and boom, they shut the door back. But when we lead with grace, people open the door. That's what happens here, John 4, 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Because of the act of grace, because of how Jesus has engaged her, she begins to understand that this is someone who's for her. And when you know somebody's for you, you begin to trust them. You begin to open the door of your life. You begin to allow them in. And so she's like, you're right. My life's a mess. It's shattered. I've tried everything, and I can't fill this hole in my heart. What, what's going on? I need, I need some of that water. You're talking about Jesus. And he opens the door. And up to this point, you might have thought, well, Jesus, you're just a, you're a grace you're, you're a grace guy. You're all grace, and you're no truth. Stick with me, because the turning point has already come. And just as Jesus has been portrayed by John, the gospel writer, Jesus is full of grace and truth. And now, as he's shared grace, and, and she knows that Jesus is for her, and she begins to step through the door and open the door, he begins to share the truth that her heart is now ready to receive. He told her, go call your husband and come back. She steps through. Jesus knows what's going on in her life. And so he says, go call your husband and come back. Like, like what he's really doing is saying, I know where you're at. I know what's going on in your life. I'm, he's really making her aware of, of just where she's at. And maybe she's never really stopped long enough to think about it. She's just trying to make ends meet, trying to figure out how to fill a hole in her heart, and just keeps going, 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 going. And here's a moment where clarity comes. And so he kind of calls her on it, go call your husband. And she says, I have no husband, she replied, which is true, but it's not the whole story. When you and I come to Jesus, sometimes we don't tell him the whole story because it's long and sordid and, and we don't really want him to know everything. But Jesus gets right to the heart of the matter. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Jesus just lets her talk, share what she's going to share. But now she's exposed. And notice this, only, he only shares this. He only goes there after she's asked for the living water, after she's opened the door. And now she understands by what Jesus has said that she's living outside of God's plan and blessing, and she wants that. You know, if you're here today, maybe Jesus is saying that to you. Hey, I'm for you. There's a reason you're here today. This is an encounter and I, I, want you to, I want you to experience freedom. Freedom from the things that hold you back, the sin, the shackles, from, from, from your own insecurity, 
from thinking you're less than, from the shame, from, from guilt, from, from whatever it is, I want you to know you can dance today. Maybe he's saying that to you today. Because Jesus always know what law we're breaking and what's breaking us. He always knows that. He will tell you today what it is. And then he will share truth to your heart when he's opened it. Because expressing truth is really love. That's what I've come to experience. That's what I've come to understand. You see, grace allows people to see and trust the truth. And truth allows people to experience freedom and the grace that God has given them. What's fascinating to me is that Jesus is willing to risk this newfound relationship he just created by telling her the truth. <laughs> like like he, he, he engaged her. He, went, he, he follows Holy Spirit's prompt. He ends up at a well. He engages in conversation. This is like taking part of the afternoon now, Like right? This is not just, oh, three minutes and, hey, I got to go. No, he's, he's spending some time. He's, he's interrupting his journey. That's that's a load of grace right there. And then the doors open and he goes through and he shares truth. And yet it's at a risk. Because have you ever realized that when you share truth with people, sometimes they push you away and they shut the door closed? Do you know it takes a lot of love to share truth with people, to reality? Like, like this is God's best for you. But they'll receive it if you do it in the right way, in most cases, but not all. Do you have enough love in you that you would share truth with someone? You see, if we don't, they're going to crash on the hard facts that there are spiritual laws. I, I got a grandson named Carter, and uh, man, that kid, he, he will do, he doesn't care. He doesn't know there's a law of gravity. He will climb up on the table and start going to the end. He's just going to dive off without a parachute. I mean, it's a, our, our job is to keep him alive till he gets some sense. That, that's that's kind, of, kind of what we're supposed to do. And so we keep him from experiencing gravity from a high place. From a low place, eh, you know, maybe, maybe that's how he's going to learn. But from a high place where it's really going to hurt him, we're going to try to we're going to try, because we love him, we don't want him to fall from five or ten feet or whatever it might be. If we really love someone, we don't want them to fall against the law of God. We don't want them to miss God's best for their life. If we truly love them, we're going to help them not experience what could happen in their life. You see, Grace is really truth, and truth is really grace. And together, and all grace and all truth, all the time, tells people you're really for them. I was on a plane one time, and it went back in my sales time, and there was this guy next to me, and he worked with young people people. He saw my book or whatever, and he asked me about it. You know, he saw his pastor or whatever, and uh, I don't know what I, or I was studying something that, that led him to ask that question. And I remember what he said. I always remember what he said. 
I, he worked with these youth that were the, like they were in the most difficult places and had the most challenging lives of any youth. Like he worked with the hardest of the hard, worst of the worst in a sense of they were in the worst places in their life. And I asked him, said, how do they all get there? He said, every one of them were there because they didn't have parents, both parents in their life. He said, almost to a T. And what he shared with me was that the reality was they didn't have boundaries. They didn't have people who loved them enough to speak truth in their lives, to show them grace and then lead them to truth. They didn't have that. Honestly, they didn't have somebody who was for them. And Jesus makes it clear that that's what we're to be about. That's why he came, full of grace and truth, to change people's lives so they could experience the freedom that I experienced in that plane, but in a spiritual sense. So what are the, what are the things you and I can do today? How, how do we live this out and be a people who are for people? We can follow the Holy Spirit's leading. See, God already knows who's open. God already knows who needs to experience grace in their life. God really knows who needs you to come alongside of them. And if you will listen to the Holy Spirit's prompt, he's going to put you in exactly the right spot. Sometimes we end up going to the wrong place because that's our idea, not his. Who today is God moving you to? Some of you are being prompted to go to the Sydney campus. Do you know you could stay here and do great work? But if the Holy Spirit has put a still small voice in your heart and he moves you to the Sydney campus, know that you're expressing grace by going. You're expressing grace to a whole new group of people, to, to a people that otherwise may not hear the gospel in the same way, through the same avenues, at the same level, if you don't go. So obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Maybe God's going to put somebody on your heart and it's time to do the journey study with them. Just engage them like in a conversation. Well, I'll just tell you, over eight weeks in the journey study, I've gotten to share more truth in more people's lives than any Sunday morning. Like people open the door and there's conversations and, and maybe the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you to begin to build a relationship with somebody over eight weeks that now you're going you're to share grace. You're just going to do the journey and God's going to open the door and they're going to open the door. And now you can share that truth in a way that they'll receive it and not slam the door shut. Fully grace and truth. Follow the Holy Spirit's leading. And then you can't give what you don't have can't give what you don't have. You're going to have to receive grace and truth in your own life. How do you do that? <laughs> Glad you asked. Right here. If you aren't reading God's Word every day. Like, He shares grace with us every day. He reminds us of how much He loves us, how much He's for us. And as I read through, I don't know about you, but like I'm reading a chapter a day, I'm highlighting, I'm underlining Ooh, God said that to me, and then I go back and I reread it. Because sometimes I need to hear that more. And the really good ones I put in the front. Like I just read them every day. And it fills my heart.
I have to know that God is for me. Because there are other scriptures I read where it's God's truth. It's his reality, and I know I'm on the wrong side of that. And I need him to fix me. I need him to move me. And I've got to hear it. And I, wanna, and I don't understand something. He's, he shows me what it means. You've got to receive it in your own life. Some of us are too hard on ourselves. Some of us have never allowed God's grace to permeate. We've said, if God can't forgive me, I, I can't forgive myself. Maybe God can forgive me, but I won't forgive myself. If God can forgive you, you can forgive yourself. He's given you the ability. And until you forgive yourself, until you release yourself, you're not going to be good at giving grace to anybody else. You're going to be hard just like you are on yourself. Receive God's grace. You sinned. You messed up. You broke yourself. You broke others. You broke things. But God wants to come in and restore you and remake you. And now he wants to use you. He's going to direct you to people's lives so that you can share truth so that they can be free from whatever holds them back. And then just to take a little of the weight off, because like this can seem a little heavy at times, well, I'm fully responsible for sharing grace and truth, and that's a lot, right? Feels that way. Here's what I've come to learn over 25 years of feeling like it was all on me. I knew better anyway. But sort of you can still get under the weight of that just point people to Jesus. Here's what I've come to realize. If I will engage people and show grace, and I've come to the place where I've humbled myself a little bit, it takes, like, I'm okay with asking people to do stuff for me now instead of just me always doing for them. Because that, that's hard. Where I grew up, you just didn't do that, just so you know. That was like, you were the one always giving, never receiving. But what I've come to realize, I don't have to change people. Only God can change people's hearts. But what I can do is I can listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I can go where he calls me to go. I can engage and be for the person who's in front of me, even if they're a Samaritan, even if they're a Jew. And when I'm for them, I just point them to Jesus. That's the truth I really point them to. So instead of going right for the juggler, man, your lifestyle, man, you, instead of doing that, what I've come to realize is if I help them begin this journey with Jesus, begin to follow Jesus, begin a relationship with Jesus, you know what? He'll do that. And it comes so much better from the Holy Spirit than you and me. We do not make good Holy Spirits. Have you discovered that? We just don't do a good job. He knows when, how, how much. And so if we will just bring people into relationship with Jesus, because he is the truth, and when they have Jesus in their heart and they begin to follow Jesus, he will begin to reveal to them the things they need to change, and he'll give them the grace to do it. When I, when I was flying yesterday, it just my spirit felt free. Just weird, kind of. <laughs> But I imagine that's how God wants us to feel spiritually. And I don't think you can be for people any more than helping them discover that kind of freedom. Bow with me right now, your heads. 
dear Lord, you, you've given this message to us today because you want to move us. Because you love the people that you made in your image. And some of them we don't even like. Some of them we don't know. Some of them are totally different from us. And yet, Father, would you break our hearts for those people we don't know in different towns and cities, in different economic places, <laughs> in different lifestyles, whatever it might be. Would you, would you help us, Father, to see that you are for them and then help us to be for them and to obey you, to engage with them and to point them to you and then when they open the door, Father, would you help us to have the courage to go through, even if it might break a relationship with them, or maybe it's our best friend or whoever it is, that we would have the courage and love to share your reality with them, that they might experience the freedom that you created them to have. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you that you show us how through your Son, Jesus. And Father, help us to be a people, all grace, all truth, all the time. We thank you for what you're going to do, and we ask it in your great name, Jesus. Amen. Would you go and be a people of grace and truth? There's a lot of people to be for out there. Go find some. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app today to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you or changed your life, share it with a friend. Because changed lives change lives.